first and foremost, thank you so much for being here today, Leanne. How are you today? Thanks, Favor. I am doing great. It's a beautiful sunny day. Can't complain. Amazing, amazing. Now we're going to be here for a power hour, hopefully about 40 minutes under that. We're going to be really quick and make sure that we, we touch all the points possible. But I want to make sure that you first, you know, introduce yourself and let us know who you are so we can be able to connect with you and go right into it. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Favor. So, yes, my name is Leanne Calderwood. I am a personal branding coach and trainer out of Kelowna, Canada. And I help hospitality professionals find their voice and create a personal brand that can attract leads and opportunities into their organizations. So typically I work with people who work in hotels or work at a destination, even restaurants, bars, um, AV companies, anyone who's touching a client and creating experiences for them. Those are the types of people I'd like for them to create an experience for their clients starting with themselves. I love that. I love the fact that you're starting with clients because they're the focus and they're the future. So when it comes to like shifting personal brands and career, what usually happens when you start thinking about content creation and then where they already are in their life and where they're actually going to like, how do you now bridge that gap for them? Yeah, well, and you raise an interesting question. You're right. When people think about creating a brand, they sometimes jump to the content they should be creating right away. And content is a huge piece of the puzzle and very important. But what I like to do is back people up a few steps. And first, we need to figure out why is it that we even want to create a brand or why is it that we even want to intentionally create content? So going over the goals of why we want to have a personal brand is kind of first and foremost. And then the second part, of course, is determining who it is we're creating that content for. Uh, a lot of us have diverse client sets, and so we need to really drill down into who it is that we want to influence with our content. So once people have the answers to those first two questions, the content comes a little bit easier and it doesn't become this chaotic, guessing game of what kind of content should I produce and where should I put it for my audience to see. Does that help, Favor? Oh yeah, it definitely helps. It puts everything into perspective now that I think of them being the person that is depending on you because you have the resource that's going to help them move the needle. Yes, exactly. And without knowing who that person is, we're not sure what kind of resources we should be creating. So we want to answer that question first and then create the resources that solve the problems and the challenges that they have. Nice. Now, when it comes to solving the problems, what's the process? Because sometimes people think of, oh, let's do a survey or let's have a pre-qualification process. Oh, let's let's give you a this or that moment. How do you process it so that they are very well informed that you are the right person for them? Well, you know, it's, I'm glad you brought up surveys because surveys is a very powerful tool. Uh, polls is a very powerful tool. In fact, Favor, you and I are both active on LinkedIn and LinkedIn has a poll feature which can give someone a lot of insights into the things that their clients are, are thinking about. 
but probably the low hanging fruit is talking to your existing clients and the people that you already have that trust relationship with. So these are the people that have already bought your service or your offering. They believe in what it is that you're doing and you've gone beyond client and more into a trusted advisor relationship. Talking to them about their problems and pain points, if that's the low hanging fruit, that's where you're gonna get a lot of insights. And then of course, talking to your colleagues who are hopefully doing the same exercises, you can gain the insights from the different colleagues. It can be someone at your organization or maybe someone with a similar job title that works for a different organization and you work together as partners to kind of figure out what those challenges are. So that's kind of the low hanging fruits cling on to. But if in absence of that, social media is a great place to find those insights. Yeah. Your clients are hanging out in discussion groups, right? And you're on LinkedIn. There's a ton of LinkedIn groups for different industries and different topics, etc. There's so many insights that you can just be that fly on the wall and kind of listen into what it is they're talking about and pick up on the questions that they're asking and the challenges that they're facing. Yeah, so I hope that a little bit. it did. It definitely did. Because now you you mentioned something that really struck my mind when it comes to content and community. And now we're living in a world that is full of social audio. And the social audio is like everybody's on social media, but the social audio pit of it is, is still new. But a lot of people have taken and ran with it. Some people are still not sure what to do, especially when it comes to business and and B2B approaches. How does that play a role today? Yeah, well, so by social audio, I'm assuming you're talking about those apps such as Clubhouse or Green Room or Twitter Spaces. Yes. And going back to your question about where you get those insights, you can use those social audio platforms to get those insights. So, Favor, when you and I met on Clubhouse, we were both speaking on a stage. But inside the audience are people who are listening to the things that we're talking about. So if you're looking for those insights, you can just listen in on those conversations. And they're happening 24-7. As these social audio apps kind of ramp up in popularity, for example, LinkedIn is going to be launching one soon. Um, I've heard rumors and rumblings about Facebook incorporating something. So there's no excuse for us not to be able to listen in on those discussions. Uh, but again, if your clients aren't taking part in those discussions, maybe those are great places to meet them in the middle and encourage them to jump into these discussions and perhaps even host a discussion for your clients. That's an opportunity for maybe like-minded clients to come together and problem solve together. And now you're seen as the facilitator of that discussion, which is a great way to be top of mind with your client groups. Yeah, I believe so too, because now you can really talk to them and, and figure out their pain points without having to be too email wordy or you know too spamsy or too slousy. So it's, it's changed the dynamics and even consumer behavior. Exactly. And that's where people, professionals like you and me favor, if we have that skill set, we're able to facilitate those discussions and then take that discussion and create that valuable content. Going back, that's what increases our influence as a personal brand and keeps us top of mind when they need someone to to help them with their problem or challenge. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I love the fact that you mentioned that you take the time to process those things before you apply those things. 
some people don't really see the the value in the process when it comes to creating that contact first is there mm-hmm. is, the, is that something that businesses don't see because they always have this kpis they always have these objectives but they forget that that person just needs a hand yes well and you're right i you know there's so many different examples of great branding examples and poor branding examples what we see a lot with companies and let's take linkedin for an example is a lot of the messages that they're pushing out are about themselves right like look at the things that we're doing look at the awards that we're winning look at the staff that we're hiring and those are all great pieces of content when they're used in moderation so it's almost you know you go back to gary vaynerchuk's um Uh, method of of content where he he calls it jab, 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 right hook, where you're giving, 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 and then you start to give, to weave in those sales messages. And when you're talking about your product or service, and even some of the new things you're doing, you may not say right in the content, buy from us, but that is a sales message. And we need to weave in more value-based content in with those sales messages so that the client knows that they can trust you to be an advisor and not just a sales professional or not just an offering. Because no matter what it is that you're selling, and you've seen this favor, no matter what it is that we're selling, we're not selling a widget or a tool. We're selling a feeling and a solution to a problem. So it, with social media, we have such a, an opportunity to sell with that kind of emotion in mind. And a lot of companies are still catching up and they're and they're failing to really connect with their clients on that level. Yeah, I see that too, because now it's come to a point where there's there's a shift in the personal branding aspect of things, but they still only use user-generated content as an asset to their social proof. And I don't know mm-hmm. and I don't know why. Have you noticed that? Yeah, no, and I'm seeing it too, Um, you know, those companies, like I said, there's great examples of companies who are doing a really effective job of serving their customer in a true sense of being a trusted advisor, being a problem solver. But yeah, there's a lot of catch up that, that companies need to do. And the hospitality industry is guilty of it as well. We see great examples. Of, of hotels and destinations that are providing above and beyond service for their clients. Um, and we're just hopeful that the rest of them can catch up and, and find different ways of marketing their messages so that they become that trusted person versus just a place to go to and visit once in a while. Yeah, I agree too. It's 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 come to a point where I, I have believed in one thing that if you can be able to show up every single time the time they need you the most and you're available, you will be the first person, like you said, at top of mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, they say, and I can't remember who said it, but repetition is the mother of skill. So repeating those messages, it may not resonate with one person today, but a few months down the line, it's going to hit them and it's going to resonate with them. So it's all about timing too. And that's the thing, right? Is we never know when our messages are going to resonate with someone. Yeah. And the thing with social media, and you've probably seen this as well, Favor, is there's a lot of people who consume social media and we don't know that they're actually listening to us. You know, you and I'm sure this happens to you, Favor, where you'll have someone reach out to you that you didn't even know was tuning into your LinkedIn lives or listening or reading your content. 
and they'll say something like, you know, I've been watching you for months. I really like what you're doing. And we think to ourselves, oh, well, how, I had no idea you were watching me for months. You right. didn't like any of my content. You didn't comment on any of my content. Yeah. But they're, they're watching us. And so that's, you know, being mindful of that and, and encouraged by that, even though you may not see the immediate return on the engagement, the engagement is still there. And when that person or company is comfortable engaging with you, there's a lot of power in that relationship. So keep engaging, keep creating content because you never know who's listening silently in the background. Yeah. And those are the moments that actually make you want to do more because now you feel like someone is actually listening. And mm. when people don't respond, we feel like we're not being listened to. And sometimes we don't want that. That's why we have that imposter syndrome as an effect, you know? And that hurts, right? And and it's it's human nature to want that validation. Um, but sometimes we're not going to get that validation. So we just have to keep going. And it's a slog, right? It is tough to wake up every morning and put content out there and put ourselves out there on display. But in order to create that engagement that may not come for months down the line, that's what we got to do. Yeah. Now I even have a really powerful question to ask you what's better (laughs) i just thought about it content over delivery or delivery over content Mm. content over delivery i think the quality of the piece needs to trump how it gets out there okay if it's quality you'll have then and you caught me off guard with this one so now we're just throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks favor but (laughs) I'd like to think if it was a quality piece of content, we have our advocates that are also going to help share that message. Right. And and those advocates that will engage with the piece so that when we want to deliver it again, we have a few insights and we know how to deliver it, whether it's in a different format, on a different platform. But yeah, the quality of the piece, I think, is key. I love that. I would go with that too, because quality, it could be short, succinct, and it still hits home because you you think about back in the day with the one pagers and you know the advertisements you see an ad for one minute you're like oh that's it <laughs> you know yes. but the conversion value is amazing and you see that on linkedin now um I, and we're linkedin aficionados so we see it a lot we see the people who do those really short posts and it's incredibly powerful now i lack that skill i can't do anything in a short post people can do it in like 20 words or less and it's really impactful whereas someone might need all 3,000 words or 3,000 characters I guess it is on LinkedIn to convey their message so it's it's finding your sweet spot in your content delivery as well is your personal style what how many words or how many minutes of video do you need to convey a message and tell your story and we all have different ranges. I love that. And it, it changes a lot for us because now we are like, is it long form content? Is it short form content? Short form content could be TikTok. It could be Pinterest ideas. You know, it could be sh- YouTube shorts. You know, long form content could be YouTube videos, Facebook watch. So we have so many options, but some people still don't know what works. Well, but it depends on what works for your personality too. I, I'm a firm believer 
believer that you should be thinking about really two people when you decide how to deliver a message. Number one is your own personality, but number two is how is your, how is your client going to receive it? If you're in an industry that's full of very busy professionals, maybe short form content is going to resonate better. Um, if you're an industry like mine, which focuses a lot on experiences and storytelling, long form content isn't unusual. So it's finding your sweet spot, depending on who it is that you're talking to. And of course your personal style. Yeah, I think so too. And on LinkedIn with careers, you know, when you think about people who say they got jobs on LinkedIn, some don't even know where to start on LinkedIn. And we're talking about personal branding on LinkedIn. How does that play a role? Because you could be one click away from an interview and also one click away from a bounce. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, it is being intentional about your LinkedIn profile and making sure that all the right keywords appear in that profile so that you're right. When a recruiter does find your LinkedIn profile, that there's a curiosity created and they want to learn more about you. So you're giving them enough that they can make a decision that you've gotten past the first stage, right? You've gotten these qualifications and this type of experience, but creating a curiosity that it's going to make you stand out from your competition yeah. and they want to learn more about you. I think one of the biggest omissions I see from uh, people looking for jobs on LinkedIn is some of them have these incredibly built out profiles, but they forget to include the call to action and include to encourage people to reach out to them, to learn more or connect with me to talk about job opportunities. So having a really clear call to action uh, is important as well. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that people who are looking for jobs, they take a second look at their profile to make sure those CTAs are built in there as well. Yeah. Now, now that you mentioned it, you know, we have LinkedIn creator mode. And like you said, there's a social app coming and we're talking about LinkedIn stories as somebody who is in that recruitment phase, would you advise them to be on creator mode or more of like, there we go. <laughs> so we have to make a difference. So, some some people are like oh yeah i love painting but i need to get into architectural design so how do they balance that out so they don't have like a two-faced personality yeah oh that's i love this question because my industry is facing a lot of that right now and it's about those transferable skills so someone who is creative in the and let's use your example favors so someone who's uh, been a painter by trade for years and years and years and now wants to go into architecture um, there's a skill set that they have to have as a successful painter that is very easily transferable into architecture or other, you know, design fields. So focusing on those, right? We're still going to have our experience as a painter listed in our work experience, maybe even listed in our summary section, but putting a focus on project management, which is what you need to have if you run a successful painting business, all of those transferable skills putting a focus on those things versus what you did in the past is the key to springboarding into the future. So I see a lot of people right now in my industry doing that because um, the hospitality industry, as you know, took a massive, massive hit. We're still being hit by um, restrictions and travel restrictions. And so a lot of the professionals have had to take their transferable skill sets as a sales professional or as a project manager and look for different roles. And so they've been doing that quite a bit. 
Um, but yeah, that would be my advice. And of course, then you've got your headline and you've got your background photo. You've got all of this great real estate to talk about the fields that you'd like to get into, right? And you can be playful about it and you can be curious about it. And so there's a lot of different things I'm seeing on LinkedIn about how people are using their headline and their background photo to create that curiosity in the recruiter to learn more about those skill sets. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the, the difference between those two because now in my mind, what I'm thinking is the featured section because people don't notice that <clears throat> the featured section, excuse me, is so vital that you can add as many articles that you've been featured in or that you feature on Pinterest or LinkedIn or any other medium that you want to use, but they don't know how to structure it. You can even use like a YouTube link that explains something, but how do they even start processing that whole feature alone? <laughs> Yeah, well, the featured section, you're right, it's it's now, I think, rolled out to everybody, but it is one of those fairly new features, and it is what, what you say it is. It is kind of a highlight of the, you know, the top five things that you do or have done in your career, um, but I do recommend that people limit it to five, because again, you don't want some of those really great gems of things that you've done or posts that you've written to be buried in your featured section. So I try and encourage people to pick five and only five, because that's roughly how many recruiters or, or other profile viewers are going to look at before they move on to a different section, Yeah. excuse me, of your profile. So pick five things, five highlights that you want that recruiter to look at. It could be a LinkedIn post, it could be a standalone web page that you've created with Wix. Like it could be something that's just, again, going to give the reader, the recruiter, more prompts to learn more about you and your skill set so that they do reach out and make that phone call. And Favor, if you don't mind, I'd like to jump back to, you mentioned LinkedIn creator mode. Yeah. A lot of people haven't even touched creator mode and you asked me if, if uh, job, uh, not recruiters, if people looking for jobs should have creator mode on. And we, I think we both agree that they probably shouldn't have it on. And there's, there's two reasons for that. Number one, when you have creator mode on, you've taken away a call to action. Because with creator mode, your button to connect isn't a connect button, it's a follow button. And follow is different from connect. And so, for people looking for a job, it's important that they still have that connect button lit because then when people connect with them, they receive that notification so they can see that the recruiter from ABC company wants to connect with them. So if you, if you put creator mode on, you've now removed that notification and you've removed that call to action. But the second reason is you want your about section to come first before your content so you can start sharing those transferable skills. With creator mode, your about section goes down in your profile. Your content goes up, which is great for you and me, Favor, because we're creating content all the time. But if you want recruiters to see your about section first, they you have to have creator mode off in order to bring your skill set up to the top of your profile. So I hope that helps for people trying to decide, should I use creator mode or should I not? 
Yeah, that's a really great pointer because some people don't know what to do and that changes the way they actually plan their content online and they also kind of limit themselves into creating those um, errors that, you know, like you said, transferable skills that you want to make sure are consistent as well. Another thing too that you mentioned that made me think about this is LinkedIn events. And this is like the last the last section that we'll, we'll talk about before we, we close out. And with LinkedIn events, that to me shows lead generation from a very warm perspective. And we talk about also hashtags. Like I hear people say, use three hashtags, use five hashtags. Those are like limits. So now if you think about LinkedIn events and company pages for business owners, how do those things help the discoverability of potential opportunities for those creators? Yeah, I I love LinkedIn events and I get it. I'm from the meetings and events industry. So anything about events and event promotion is fun in my world. But you're right, LinkedIn events does a few things if you have a company page. Number one, obviously you can create an event just like you would on Facebook or any other platform. But number two, it gives you, as a company page, it gives you up to a thousand invitations that you can send out to people who are following your page or even following you as an administrator of the page to say, hey, I'm hosting this event. Even if the people don't respond to the event themselves, they receive that notification. And again, repetition being the mother of all skill, you start popping up in their feed and you start like now your company is in their notifications to even say, I'm hosting this event. So it's a touch point. It's one touch point, right? There's multiple touch points that need to happen to create that bridge of trust. But LinkedIn events is a great touch point because it shows that you're doing something for the industry that you're in and it creates that notification. So I'm a big fan of LinkedIn events. If for no other reason, it puts a notification in your potential client's inbox. Mm, and that's a very high content lead that can allow them to opt in. Yes. Well, and that's the thing, if they do then accept the event invitation, you as the company can download the, um, I guess the registration list for people who have accepted. So, you know, there's a few things that you can do to get the contact information of people who are interested in your event. As long as you're following your guidelines, your, um, in Canada, it's called Castle Guidelines that follow email, spam kind of thing. I think California also has a separate set of guidelines. Ensure that you're following guidelines when you collect that information, but it is another way, again, that you can create connection with that end user. Amazing. This is, this is vital information, and I hope... You guys are able to tap in, listen. No, we are on the We Don't Play podcast station available on 14 platforms. And we're also on LinkedIn Live. And Leanne is dropping gems of knowledge. These are things that you would have to pay her for (laughs) to, to get for 15 minutes. So make sure that you're able to connect with her and follow her and see what she's also doing. Because we're here to support you. And that's why we're live here on LinkedIn We're live here on the podcast and we're here live and direct to help you. So I'm so glad you were able to join us. And I know that there are so many ways people can get in contact with you. 
what are the fastest ways they can start making that happen? Great question. And thank you again for this opportunity, Favor. I love talking about this stuff. You are a great host. It's been a lot of fun doing this with you. If you want to learn more about my services around personal branding and LinkedIn training, you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Leanne Calderwood. You can also find me hanging my hat over on Clubhouse, which is where Favor and I first met. And I do have a website over at LeanneCalderwood.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Leanne Calderwood. And I appreciate everything you've done for us today. And I just hope they're able to take in that information and run with it. Well, thank you for being such a great host. And you're right. Our, our mission is to help others move the needle in their businesses. So I hope we've done that today. Amazing. Thank you. And make sure that you guys tap in. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, everyone.